Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 10th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 153, third paragraph, beginning with, in the chapter. Reading four paragraphs, ending with, have a lonely weekend. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Anne M., the 12 Traditions, Sarah W., and reading the literature today are Penny C., Chelsea H., and Austin R. The share ID number for Sunday, August 9th, our special edition meeting by Arini. Step 11, Breath of Life, is 7902. 7902. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our primary purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ann M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Ann M. Good morning. This is Ann M. from Minnesota, a recovered compulsive overeater. And the 12 steps are, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, 
promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for this opportunity to do service. And thank you, Anne M. I will now ask Sarah W. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Sarah W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study in the big book on page 153, paragraph 3, 
beginning with in the chapter through four paragraphs ending with have a lonely weekend on page 154. I will now ask Penny C. to begin reading. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Santa, and good morning, everybody. This is Penny Recovered, Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. In the chapter, Working with Others, you gathered an idea of how we approach and aid others to help. Suppose now that through you, through you several families have adopted this way of life. You will want to know more of how to proceed from that point. Perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. Here is a brief account. Years ago, in 1935, one of our members made a journey to a certain western city. From a business standpoint, his trip came off badly. Had he been successful in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at the time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? One dismal afternoon, he, placed a, he paced a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At the end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and and would have a lonely weekend. My goodness, there is there is quite quite a lot to talk about in these four paragraphs. And so what I wanted to just remind myself and others is that this is a vision for you chapter. And so we're now getting into the real substance of what is the vision. The vision is that we, like Bill W., who is the chap they're talking about here, we, like him, will go on to spread spread recovery among our fellows, among the sick and suffering out there. And and certainly we're going to hear exactly how, how this came about. And so here was Bill with, with a predicament that in only a, a few months, I believe about six months sober, and he's really discouraged. He's he's just wondering how is he even going to find an acquaintance to talk to, to you know get get his mind off the the gay crowd in which is is in those days was just a happy and, and light-hearted, carefree crowd. He was hearing how he was going to avoid his old habit of going in there and getting the ease and comfort that he knew 
that a that a drink that an alcoholic drink would bring him and it had to be a god thing that he saw that bulletin board and saw the names of churches and called and got to meet Dr. Bob. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, from the big book, is nothing in God's world, absolutely nothing happens by mistake. Had that business venture been successful, he might have returned to New York right away. Instead, because he was almost broke, he stayed in Akron. And that's how he came to meet Dr. Bob. And all this had to be divine providence. And aren't we fortunate today that we have, that, that Bill had that experience and, and met Dr. Bob in the beginnings of 12-step programs began. And without our past, thank you. Thank you so much, Penny C. And just a gentle reminder to state the initial of your last name, please. Now, who would like to share, who would like to comment on these paragraphs? Rakesha C. Amy E. Anita J. Kathy K. Thank you so much. This is what I heard. I have Rakesha D. Amy E. Anita J. And Kathy Kathy K. Rakesha, you are up first. Thank Good you, morning. Santa. Good morning. My name is Rakesha Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And what struck me as I was reading this paragraph is vitally important. You know, how he thought that his business deal was so vitally important and nothing else mattered. And when it didn't go his way, he just... Um, Sulked. He wasn't happy. He he couldn't he couldn't stand the feelings. And so many times in my life, so many times I thought things were so important. They had to go this way. They just had to go this way. And if they didn't, it's going to be you know a disaster. And you know, I I ate over that. I ate over that all the time when things didn't go my way. And even when they did go my way, I ate over it. But especially when they didn't go my way, everything in my life had to be my way. It was finally important that it was. But, you know, today I see that's not true. Even when bad things happen to me today, I know it's not really bad. It's just God's path for me. It's um, what's vitally important today is not going to be vitally important to me in a week. And I know that for sure because I write things down. A week later I look at that and I go, what? Why was that so important? But today, what's important, today what is vitally important is my program, the 12 steps, and my God come before everything else in my life. And that I I dedicate my life to working these 12 steps and to connecting with God. And my life revolves around that because that is what's vitally important. Just my program, my connection with God, and all these other materialistic things that happen to me in my life or social things or whatever that are quote-unquote vitally important are not really. It'll all work out. Even if the way they work out is not the way I think they should work out or I want them to work out. But that's not what's important. It's my trust and faith in God today that whatever happens is okay. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rakesh D. Good morning, Amy E. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everybody. Amy E. recovered in northwestern Ohio. Um, 
you will want to know more of how to proceed from that point. This is after we've adopted this way of life. So how are we to proceed? How is where we're free from compulsively overeating? We have a definition of abstinence that works for us and we are um, committed to it and following it. So uh, we've done a fourth and fifth step. We've started our men's process. Uh, so what now? And he's describing, <laughs> he's basically doing a 10th step to me. He's working 10, 11, and 12 here. He's gripped by fear and resentment. He had something that didn't go the way that he wanted. Um, he's discouraged. Uh, he's discredited. He's got fear of financial insecurity. He's got a hotel bill he has to pay. And he starts thinking of a drink. Um, and he starts rationalizing, and he starts that insidious, um, that obsession. This time for sure, it will be different. This time for sure, I'll be able to handle just one bite, or I'll be able to handle that, you know, flour and sugar. Um, and he resolutely turns his thoughts to somebody he can help, and, but he has no one to help. He doesn't know any other alcoholic in that community. Um, how many of us live in outposts? I live in an outpost, and I read this, and I think, what can I be doing to reach out to the compulsive overeater who doesn't know of this program of recovery, um, people who are dying by the droves of um, diabetes and heart disease and all of the consequences of uh, our disease. Uh, reach out, make a phone call, make some connections, look for somebody that we can help get outside of ourselves. Uh, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And good morning, Anita J. Anita J. Star one. Oh, good morning. I'm sorry. This is Anita J. Thank you, Santa, for your service. Uh, I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Massachusetts. And... Um, Last March, or it's a year ago, March now. This is just amazing. Since I've been doing this work with you guys, it's it's, it's just flying the uh, months and days and weeks. I saw the movie, and as she read it, as she read this paragraph, um, I could see it again, Belle in that lobby, looking at that board with one, in one way and looking into that bar and wanting that ease and comfort, looking for release. I identify with the word release. When I pick up, picked up, um, it wasn't for fellowship, it was for the release. I now know that looking for such a release meant that I had been doing it again. I, I don't need a release if God is leading the way on a uh, my life, but if I suddenly, without knowing it, because I haven't been closely, closely in touch with God, I, I take over the reins again, and look what happens. Suddenly, there he is, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, into the bar, um, or seeing this, as I think Somebody said, it's the truth. God had that billboard there. He never noticed it before, but he didn't need to. And I really believe 
even though he he wanted to recover, he he really was starting his recovery. Things like this happen, and that's what I have come to see is that this doesn't mean I can walk off into the sunset. This means I work with others. This this means I read, I write, I pray, I meditate, I walk. It, it I mean it is just. Amazing, because guess what? I want to do it. It's no punishment. It's I want to do it. And I know that that is what happens to him and all all of us. It's it's not uh, you must stick to this regime because otherwise you're going to die. No, I must stick to this regime because it's really the most wonderful thing that's basically happened to me. I cannot believe I would even say that, but it's true. With that, I pass. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Anita J. Uh, Good morning, Kathy Kay. Thank you, Santa H., for your service. This is Kathy Kay, recovered from Massachusetts. And for me, these paragraphs remind us of how essential working with others is to our recovery. It's the first example of um, how Bill was able to save himself from a drink by reaching out to someone else. And And his story shows us in the beginning of the book how that happened. And we read in step 10 um, how the very last step, uh, last part of step 10 is to turn our attention to someone we can help. Um, and I know for myself and for the people I've sponsored, um, knowing that uh, the best recourse to obsessive thoughts about food is first to see what's going on with us that may need attention in terms of a 10-step turnaround and second to reach out to someone who's still suffering, uh, to shift our awareness from self-centeredness to God-centeredness and other-centeredness. It works every time. It works every time, whether it's on the phone, at a meeting, uh, in a store, anywhere uh, where we might be hit with a momentary lapse in thinking. we can uh, begin the process of reaching out to someone, um, which brings us back on course. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And who else would like to comment on what was read at page 193, these four paragraphs? Eileen B. Rochester. Sharon B. Rita P. Larry. Deanna B. Nessa R. Um. Okay, <clears throat> this is who I heard so far. I have Irene B, Reva P, Deanna B, and Nessa R. Did I miss anyone? Rob, Rob B. It's Al Dix from New York. L.M. Basa O. Okay, this is who I heard. Irene B., Reva P., Deanna B., 
Nessa R, Rob B, Charles O, and Vasa O. And I'm sorry if I miss anyone. Irene D, you're up first. Good morning. This is actually Eileen D, so I hope you have the right person. But thank you, Santa, so much for your service today and for everyone's shares. This is Eileen, a recovered compulsive eater from Pennsylvania. And I just had to jump in because I could so relate to this story and this predicament and being on thin ice. And um, how am I going to proceed now? I am newly recovered. Uh, thank you, God, one day at a time. It's been almost eight months um, since I put down sugar. And um, I was on a recent vacation with my two children and had planned my food. Everything was going well, no food thoughts. And I found myself one night on the boardwalk, um, strolling along, watching people eat ice cream, really noticing it, saying, that looks good. Now, that was my number one binge food. I had put it down. I had had no thoughts of it for a long time. It's in my freezer at home for my son. But this particular night, I found myself watching people. And I thought, okay, this is what you would call a little thin ice. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to, how am I going to proceed now? I'm newly recovered. So I knew I needed to do a 10-step because it wasn't about the ice cream. It was what was behind the ice cream, which was, um, and this has been a recurrent theme in my life as a single parent for a long time, and it was watching families uh, together and watching couples holding hands. And it may be uh, not my last vacation with my children. They're 19 and 21, but maybe one of the last ones. So fear came up, loneliness came up, a little self-pity came up. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to do a 10-step, which I did. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do that and then turn my attention to other people. And it doesn't matter that I'm on vacation because my vacation doesn't take a disease. Oftentimes it gets worse. And um, so that's what I did. And I started working with somebody at that time and made a lot of outreach calls. And I'm just so grateful that I have a different way to live, that I can live in recovery. Because in the past, what would I have done? I would have gotten the ice cream and many other things. So very, very grateful uh, to be living in recovery for today. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Eileen B. Good morning, Reba P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, I related to what we just read and appreciated the previous sharing. Um, you know, I had an interview for some work a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get it. Um, I'm advocating for my mom where she is right now um, in a hospital, and I'm not seeing the outcomes that I want. And my father-in-law is also very ill, and it's not going the way I would want it to go. And thank you, God, for this program because these few paragraphs remind me, first of all, what I think at the time is vitally important um, is often not so vitally important at all. Um, and it's when I'm powerless that God can do his work, because how do I know that my will really is the best for myself and everybody else? I really don't know, if I'm honest about it. Um, and this step 10, 11, 12 whole turnaround you know, thank you, God, I have a way to deal with these things because as it says in the first few sentences of this chapter, for normal folks, drinking or um, for me, eating and binging and 
purging. Um, that was my release from worry. Um, but it doesn't work anymore. It totally doesn't work. He walks in and he thinks that if he just had a few drinks, he'd get that companionship and release. But that's when I focus on what the food um, does for me, um, as opposed to remembering what it does to me, which is makes me miserable, and it's always worse. Um, so that's a great reminder. And not only do those things seem vitally important at the time, but from reading these few paragraphs, we see how it was so divinely inspired that things did not go Bill's way, because as a result, this amazing uh, program was begun and developed um, and initiated. And, you know, I don't know. My best thinking is what got me here. So how do I know that my thinking is the right thing? I've learned, you know, my thinking is totally off. um, And God knows way better. So sometimes not only do I need to accept the things I cannot change, but to trust, deeply trust that God has a bigger plan and God knows what he or she is doing um, and just trust that I'm safe and protected in those arms. Um, that's all I'm going to share. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Reba P. Good morning, Deanna B. Good morning, Santa. It's so good to hear you. Uh, my name is Deanna B., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Chicago. And uh, what we read today, just it just makes me realize more and more that, number one, I do bring my disease with me wherever I go, and I also bring my higher power with me and my recovery and my OA family. Um, I will be out of phone contact after tomorrow for about a week, hopefully no more. And this is the first time uh, since I started listening to a vision. And then it it gets scary, but then I know God is with me and has his arms around me, and I need to get out of my own way. Um, So many people have said this morning that, you know, thank God, and if they didn't, I'm saying it, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it says they spring up in every city and hamlet, and if it wasn't, I I don't know if I could have, you know, God prepared me for going into surgery on Wednesday, and um did I want to do, did I have this plan? No. I didn't plan to have open heart surgery or anything like that. But here I am. And uh, I had a dream last night. And, you know, it's like I felt God. I felt God. And I was talking to somebody yesterday, and she had said that she felt God's arms around her. And I said, I've, I've been praying and, and, and reading this little booklet that I read every day and, and all day, and I and I asked God, please hold me. And I didn't feel him, but I felt him in the middle of the night. And, you know, God is there always, and I know that. And um, I know I bring all of you with me. And thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna B. We are with you. Nessa R., good morning. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. 
um, the 12 steps and the resulting recovery from working them are not a, um, a happy pill, nor a guarantee that we're going to have a life free of adversity and challenges. Um, but the promises say um, we will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. It means that instead of resorting to our traditional ways of coping with with, with life as it happens, with challenges, et cetera, by eating and binging and, you know, whatever other bizarre food behaviors we had engaged in, now we're going to know how to proceed. Um, it means that, and what Bill's story <clears throat> so beautifully shows is that recovery has to stand on its own regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's happening in our lives and in our loved ones' lives. Um, you know, it's... Um, Otherwise, it's not real recovery. It's very easy to be recovered. It's very easy to work the steps. It's very easy to trust God when everything is working our way, when everything is going the way we want it, the way we plan. But the true test uh, of recovery is what happens when it's not. And this is these are the promises. You know, we will know how to handle situations that used to baffle us without having to get back into the food. This is why um, I love um, I love Bill's story, and uh, you got my pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Larry K. Good morning. Santa. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service, Larry K. Uh, Recover compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, so many good shares, you know. Um, so you know, it, it's what I love here. You know, it, it's. When Bill, you know, I, I need to be a student of history, um, and I love Bill's story. And you know, I've I've been to this this hotel, and and I've seen, you know, um, you know, just tried to to understand a little bit more about our history there. And you know, there he was, and you know, um, he was on shaky ground. You know, and I love where it says, but what about his responsibilities, you know, to his family and the men who would die, men and women who would die because they would not know how to get get well, you know, and um, and that's I think that's the beautiful the beautiful part of this chain, you know, that we have together that we can uh, carry this message in a way that others um, wouldn't have the ability to, to do that. We can carry this message because we've experienced this. And that's what Bill had experienced a change. And okay, um, he, was, he was on shaky ground there. Um, he had only been sober for six months. I remember what it was like to only be sober for six months. Um, you know, but, but what I'm reminded of is that this just like the disease is progressive, it never gets better, it always gets worse. The disease, that's true. The obsession of the mind, but we have, we have a uh, prescription for recovery. And um, you know, the spiritual awakening um, and this, this, this process of change, that always, you know, that progresses too, and that gets better. I've seen that in my own life how that gets better. And I'm not on shaky ground as much. Now, my life gets shaky. There's no question. You know, things come on unpredictability of things, but I'm not on shaky ground um, as much because my 
you know, because God has a hold of my life in a way that I, uh, that I didn't think was possible. So, um, you know, that's the hope here. The hope here is that, you know, as you stay on this, this beam of recovery, your, you know, your, uh, your own trajectory, you know, leads you to different places where, you know, things get better and there's a greater confidence and that confidence comes from, from God, you know, moving to a God centered consciousness and, uh, and we have to carry this message. It's such a beautiful thing to be a part of this. Yes, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning, Rob B. Um, this is Ronnie P. And Bob, um, actually, Bob B. And I'm from uh, Westchester, right. Pennsylvania. Yes, good morning, Bob B. Thank you. Good morning. Um, this uh story reminds me of something that uh, about a couple of years ago, I heard someone uh, outside the program talk to me about when something bad happened in their life, they used to say, why did God do this to me? And uh, their mentor suggested they change one word. Why did God do this for me? And when I started thinking about my life and started applying that in my life, um, it helps me to be uh, less of a victim and poor me uh, and to look at when certain things happen in my life that I thought were difficult or problems or whatever, when I changed that word to why did God do this for me, it made a huge difference in my perspective because what I did, what I got from that was that this was an opportunity for me to learn something. It also was an opportunity, and God was giving me an opportunity to rely more on him instead of on myself. So when adversity comes in my life today or something happens that I don't think is good, I try to look at it from why did God do this for me? And when I take that attitude into the situation, uh, it completely changes my perspective in terms of God doing for me what I can't do for myself, an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to rely more on God and less on my ego. Uh, and that, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Bob B. And Ronnie P., I do have you down. But Charles H., you are next. Good morning, Charles. Yeah, I'm here, baby. I'm here. Hey, I'm, I'm going to let Ronnie, Ronnie P. look like you want to get her thing off. I'll go right after her. Ronnie P. Are you with <laughs> Yeah, I'm still here. I'm so sorry for that confusion. I apologize. Um, excuse me. And uh, thank you, Charles H. Thank you, Santa. Um, you know what I think is so wonderful about this part of the uh, of the big book is that you know, we see that he was, he could have walked into that bar and had a drink, or he could have made that phone call. And that phone call is what started Alcoholics Anonymous, basically. I mean, he had no idea that he was standing at the turning point of something that would change millions of lives. He, he had no idea. But he yielded, and look at the miracle that happened. And, you know, a couple paragraphs back, we talked about the word miracle. And, you know, each time we don't choose food, 
and we choose God, we don't know what miracles we have allowed to be set in motion. We don't know how God is going to use us. We don't know what that result will be. And there's sometimes, you know, we may never know. It could be that sometimes by not picking up the food and making a phone call, I have helped someone or changed someone else's life. And sometimes, in fact, probably most times, I'm not going to know that. But two things happen. One, I get to stay out of the food, which is, you know, a big plus. Um, and um, and in, in the act of helping someone else, I stay sober. But I also, I also allow myself to stay in a place of trust and possibly wonder because something may have happened. And it took a long time for Bob to know that he was part of a miracle. I mean, that didn't happen overnight. He knew that he was able to help someone, and thank God that kept him sober. So that was, that was a miracle. He didn't know the kind of long-term impact that was going to have. And I think with, you know, the, speaking for me, I, I don't know what the long view is. You know, I don't know. I do know even that 20 years ago when I came into program, I met one or two people who have since become lifelong dear, dear, dear friends. I never would have known that. And they've been there in ways for me over the years that have been wonderful and probably, you know, if I use the word miraculous, I think that's not overstating it. So it's such a great reminder for me to read this thing and say that when I choose to, when I choose God instead of the food for that temporary release of the discomfort, um, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm putting into motion or what I'm yielding to that will result in something. Um, But why not choose that? instead of the food? Why not choose that instead of the very sad comfort that food will give me for five minutes? And um, and uh, with that, I pass. Thanks for your patience, everybody. Thank you, Ronnie P. And Charles, you're up. You're up. Good morning. And Vasta O, you'll be next. Thank you, small service. Charles, there's a there on the line. And, um, yeah, I want to hit this from a thinker aspect, right? That's my problem. But I want to hit this where, you know, I want to give so much respect to this tool. And, you know, sometime on this line and, and a lot of people, we, we, we violate the tools. But this tool right here, when he said he wanted so much to talk with someone, but boom, this is a powerful tool. And this tool here actually pretty much is 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 is, is the lifeline to recovery, like, like the, the previous speaker saying, millions of people. Without this tool, if you wanted to call somebody, you know, that that's the connection right there, right? And I want to you know, hit this from a mental aspect. What sort of thinking, you know, after being, you know, sober six months, physically weak still, right? Um, you know, that, that, that same thought, that thought that they've been talking about and more about alcohol, the thought that, that hit Jim up, the thought that the 25-year bones ride, that, you know, that thought, the thought that Fred, you know, all that, you know, not a cloud in the sky, all that money, the thought, that same thought, you know, and they talked about here in in these paragraphs, it reminds me of the doctor opinion when, you know, uh, Dr. Silkworth was saying, yeah, you know, he had uh, a business uh, agenda and, you know, the thought triggered it. You know, how many know you could, we, we're triggering recovery right now? Wow. Shotgun, triggering recovery by, by, by just, you know, 
reaching out and making a call. I got to call someone, so I might as well call some recovered folks and, and, and some folks that, that that that's in trouble. And you know what? Like, you know, we come, we go, but, you know, stay, stay, stay. Just stay, stay and pray and help somebody else. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Thank you, Charles H. And Vasa O. Good morning, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, all of you. Thank you, Santa, for your service. And I'm Vasa O. Grateful Recover Compulsive Ovita calling from Massachusetts. And at the beginning of my program, I was, it was really, it was scary for me to carry the message because I, didn't, I was afraid I might say the wrong thing. You know, I might turn them off the program. So I was very, very, again, it was shaky, you know. But anyways, gradually God gave me the strength and the courage how to do it as I was going through the 12 steps. And my purpose, my vision today is, uh, my mission is to spread the good news to others, sick, sick and sufferers, people like it was shared with me. Practice, practice has been for me, and I have made mistakes over the years. I don't do it perfectly, but I learn each time how to do it better as I go back and forth through the 12 steps and, and praying to God. I, I, I know this is God's will for me to do, to share my experience, strength, hope, and put people in God's hands. I cannot do their recovery, you know. I can share my recovery with them, but, you know, they have to do it, you know, again, you know. Um, I, for me, having a relationship with God is the most important thing that I have today and staying abstinent. And God has led me to so many places I never thought I would be. At the beginning, as I said, it was shaky, you know, I, because I wanted to get into the food, you know, and that's when I started using prayer and I would pick up the phone. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to call people and tell them I want to eat, you know. I was embarrassed, you know. But I remember praying on the phone. People, I picked that up. Please, God, give me the strength to call somebody. And and then I threw myself into the literature, the stories, you know, what people did. And uh, I didn't have to go back into the food. Just deal with life and life's problems. Life can be shaky, even being abstinent. But I asked God to give me the strength to just deal with life the way life comes, naturally and normally, good and bad things. So... Thank you for letting me share, and God bless, and bye. Thank you, Vasa O. We have time for two more shares. Who would like to comment on what was read? Melissa C. Michelle in Maryland. Leah. Okay, I heard Melissa C., and then I heard Leah, but then I heard the one before Leah. Who was that, please? Rochelle M. in Maryland. Rochelle M. Okay. Melissa, see, you are up. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. I'm sorry. I I have background noise. I'm just trying to silence it. Okay. Thank you. Can you hear me? I sure can. Okay. Great. Good morning. Um, Yeah, I'm actually away camping right now, and I'm so happy that I have a signal and, um, you know, I have my, I have my books with me and I have all of you with me and that's, you know, incredible, um, to be away. Um, 
you know, this fortunate book, book it, you know, it's a real reminder to me and a warning that um, in a weakened state, um, when I'm feeling unsettled, I, I have to be careful where I am. I have no business at that time being in bars or bakeries. Um, thin ice is not a place for me to test the strength of my resolve. And, you know, because I'm powerless and I have no resolve to test. This is the exact time, you know, when I have to throw myself into working with others. And um, that seems like counterintuitive that when you're feeling weak and unsteady, that you should be of service and of help. But that is exactly what we're told in our, in our program of recovery. And, um, you know, it's interesting if we followed um, his thoughts, how they went from financial woes to loneliness to then the thought of just having a ginger ale at the bar, to three drinks would be fine, to the gripping fear that the old insidious insanity, that first drink, um, to divine intervention. And, and there was the church directory. Um, and this, ooh. I'm sorry, I don't know if that's me or someone else, but, um, you know, Unsteady over our problems, feeling all alone. Go seek out food, just a few pieces, just this one slice, just this one night. My disease is like, you know, it's like a handsome stalker. Um, it follows me and it lurks around, hoping I'll leave the door unlocked. And, you know, the incredible thing that now I know it's there and you know, it's lost its ability to charm me into letting it in. Um, because I know it for what it is. And I know it's millions of ways it tries to sneak in. And I also clearly know the solution. It's always to get out of my woes, to get out of the poor me thinking and find somebody else that I can help. Um, you know, and even just last week, I was feeling really unsettled. Um, and I did that 10-step turn, turnaround that people talked about. Thank God for all of you. You know, I heard it talked about here. I never really heard it outside of the vision for you. Um I didn't really digest it. And, and I looked it up. Someone on our line, you know, has a resource um, posted, and I followed it through how that person laid it out. And, um, you know, I have two choices here. I can go back to the food or I can work the steps um, and give myself to others. And, you know, um, that's how I choose to live today. I'm so happy to be here and have all of you. Thank you. And I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Rochelle M., good morning. Good morning. This is Rochelle M. in Maryland, recovered. Thank you, God. Um, I really don't have a lot to add to what's been said, but I am struck by, you know, how, how difficult it must have been for Bill W., because how easy it would have been for him to just make that, I like to think of it as a right-hand turn, go into the lobby. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to work hard to get to that binge food. All he had to do was go through the door, and it was right there waiting for him. Gayness, conviviality, cheer, fast friends, right there, and lose himself in, uh, in his binge material. And instead, he turned in the opposite direction, and he went, I like to think, he went to his left. And there's a phone booth, a cold item, no personality in the phone booth, all by itself. Who knows? It could have been smelly. I don't know. It's a hotel lobby. Who knows? In those days. Okay, so it's a, hotel, it's a phone booth. you got to have coins. What if he didn't have any coins to operate that phone? 
He had to have coins. He had to have a phone book. He had to make a lot of effort. He had to find somebody. He didn't know anybody. He had to call somebody to help him find somebody to get to somebody. I mean, he was willing to to take heroic measures to keep himself sober. And when I think today how easy it is for us to just pick up a phone, make a phone call instead of opening the fridge door, you know, we've got credit cards. You know, there's so many easy ways to get access to things that will destroy us. And look what he had to do. His measures were heroic, you know, and, and perhaps the fact that it's so easy for us means that we have to work hard also because it's just too easy for us to go back in the other direction. So um, I applaud Bill W., and I am so impressed with what he did that he shook up the world and he made it possible for people to get off the floor and have real lives. Pass. Thank you, Rochelle M. And Leah M. will be our last year for today. Good morning, Leah. Leah, press star one. Good morning. Thank you so much, Santa. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Um, that bitterly discouraged, you know, of course, reminds me of restless, irritable, and discontent. And, you know, it's a clear example to me, and it reinforces to me the fact that the main problem centers in my mind. Uh, yes, Bill is recovered at this point, but, you know, being recovered doesn't mean he's not subject to and subject of life. You know, just because we're recovered doesn't mean we don't have bad business deals or that our loved ones don't get sick or relationships aren't struggling or strained or that we lose our jobs, you know, businesses fail. Uh, you know, life goes on even though uh, he's recovered. And so, you know, it's a clear example that um, all action is born in thought. You know, he's feeling restless. He's feeling, uh, you know, discouraged and discontent. He's in hot water for the first time, you know, in his sobriety since his spiritual experience. This is the first time that Bill's kind of humbled by the fact, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, uh, for some reason, you know, I'm in this environment in this Mayflower Hotel, and I'm hearing the tingling of glasses over there and the chatter of, uh, you know, companionship, and that's looking rather appealing because that used to be my solution for everything, right? It was one solution. We always had one solution, and that was drink. Uh, for me, it was eat. No matter what was going on, bad day, good day, feelings of, uh, you know, elation or feelings of tremendous disappointment, we had one solution, just like Bill had one solution, and he's got a little bit of euphoric recall going on, um, you know, <laughs> focusing in, in on the fact that, you know, taking a drink will ease some of that discomfort. However, as we'll continue to read, Bill is recovered, and he's going to recoil uh, from this as if from a hot flame, because why? Because he's had a spiritual experience, and his life is now on a, on a more profound foundation than the contents of a glass, the liquid contents of a glass, and he's been restored to sanity. And he will turn, he will make a decision to turn away from that euphoric recall, and he will pick up that phone. And, uh, you know, that, that is the, um, 
the recovery, you know, that we all have a, uh, a, an opportunity to have today because of this, because of the recovery that he experienced led him from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, other-centeredness. And um, for that, I'm so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And thank you to everyone who has shared today. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 154, followed by the serenity prayer. I will now ask Chelsea H. to please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning, Santa, and thank you for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.